you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. And welcome to episode 87 of In Orbit, Mash Show's Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and to you, the Destiny community. Wherever you are, however you are, and whenever you're listening to this show, we want to thank you as always for making this show a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge, and today we've been invaded by the agents. Uh-oh. So, agents, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Mike from uh, Team Set Rap. I wrote. Sitrap Radio. Hi, I'm Rob from Sitrap Radio too. And strangely enough, I'm also from Sitrap Radio and I'm Luke. <laughs> so some of you listeners may be familiar with Mike because he's actually been on the show many, many times in the past uh, before he went and started doing his show um, and also doing stuff for Battlefield as well. But it's great to have them on the show. I wanted to get more people on the show who haven't been on the show and kind of want to talk about their experiences with Destiny 2. So that's why I invited them on board. But before we begin this show, as always, we want to make sure that you check out all the other amazing podcasts that are available here on the Mashos Buttons Network, just like Sit Rep Radio. And you can check it out on mashosbuttons.com. Make sure that you get involved with us in InOrbit by sending us your questions and feedback to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or send us a Twitter, or tweet, I'm sorry, on Twitter, at InOrbitPodcast. You can also connect with us on Discord, and we'll have the link to that in the show notes. So, first off, let's go ahead and talk about the TWAB this week at Bungie. Um, This week at Bungie, there's been a lot of talk about weapon updates and whatnot. We'll we'll talk about that later on in the show. The only other news that really came out of the TWAB that was of any note was that they're deploying a hotfix this coming Tuesday, October the 3rd. So for a brief period of time, you're not going to be able to play the game. Uh, The maintenance starts at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is 9, 10, 11 p.m. Eastern time, and then another five hours, 12. So 4 p.m. UK time. So make sure that you guys got that down. 8 a.m. Pacific time. 3 p.m. UTC, and everybody's going to be removed from the game at 9 a.m. Pacific time, which is 4 p.m. UTC. Ah, sadness. All right. Um, Beyond that, there wasn't much with the TWAB. So let's go ahead and talk about the actual game, and this is where I want you guys to jump in. So this week was the first, I guess, live team event. They haven't really confirmed whether the live team was behind this or not, but it is the faction rally. Faction Rally it marks the return of Dead Orbit, Future War Cult, and New Monarchy to the Tower. And they have a whole bunch of things that you can do. Go around to Lost Sectors, do public events, 
do activities such as a raid so that you can earn tokens for your faction and get rewarded. However, there is a limit to your rewards. You can only level up that faction up to level 30, which you can't really see on the Destiny app, which is a problem, nor can you see it on your character. You have to use third-party apps to be able to see exactly what level your character is at. So, what has been your impression of the faction rally? And we'll start off with Mike. Uh, yeah, enjoyed it so far. Um, it's nice to have something else to kind of chase as well, on top of the milestones and the challenges, and uh, been getting decent loot from it as well. And I kind of like off the back of um, the public events, you have like another public event on top of that that's kind of out there that people are jumping into as well. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, those majors on those public events, the ones guarding the circles, are absolutely ridiculously strong. They'll take three rockets and then they'll laugh at you. But uh, what about you, Luke? What, what did you think about the the faction rally so far? Um, being fresh to Destiny with Destiny 2 as opposed to not playing the original, I, I thought they were pretty cool, actually. Um, I'd never really seen anything like that before, but getting all the new shaders and the new weapons, and, and like Mike said, the, the extra activities to do is is really good, yeah. So how many weapons have you picked up so far? Three. Just three of them? Yeah. I don't grind, um, I don't grind it out as much as, as these two do. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you pledge to? Uh, FWC. Uh-oh. We're going to get some haters sending messages <laughs> to the... What, what, are so, you, what are you, Jorge? I have one on... I have My hunter is Dead Orbit. My warlock is Future War Cult. My titan is New Monarchy. So I'm going to win no matter what. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't pledge to them. I know people are very serious. If you look on Facebook groups, you'll see like, oh, FWC or Go Home. It's like dead orbit because they're black and white then nobody cares about new monarchy but that's beside the point um no so i've actually picked up a few of the weapons prior to this event if you do the cade stash occasionally you'll get the weapons um i got the auto rifle for fwc and that was really really good the number um i actually use that in the raid only thing that it that you have to worry about is the slow re uh, reload rate but with the proper mods on your armor, you can get that nullified. I picked that early as well. Yeah, I love that one. Um, I believe I also had the Dead Orbit hand cannon before, and that was okay. But I use other weapons for my kinetic uh, weapon slot, so I didn't use it too much. Um, but yeah, I guess for me... What kind of has been disappointing to you with regards to the faction rally? I know it's cool to get all these weapons and basically a lot of legendary shards, but what is something that you didn't enjoy? Rob? Um, I'd, uh, I'm not sure. I kind of enjoyed all of it, to be honest. I think it's a bit of a shame that people are abusing like the... Mm-hmm. Luke KV sort of thing of it, but yeah, I, mean, I, did did little, I did a little bit of it, but <laughs> like not not too much. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think my, it's it's all good. Yeah, one of our friends, uh, Daniel, for thirty minutes, he basically did what was the Destiny Two equivalent of the Luke Cave, which was go to Trostland, 
right in the cathedral or church, whatever you want to call it. Underground, do that uh, lost sector, hit another lost sector right next to it. And within 30 minutes, he had accumulated 900 tokens. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, if you really want to do that, you can quickly level up your factions and get a lot of rewards and legendary shards. But it proves how insignificant some of the other activities have been weighted. For example, um, when we were doing the raid uh, this past week, every section that you complete in the raid only gives you two tokens. Two tokens I can I can get in less than two minutes from completing a lost sector. Mm. So I think it would have been more beneficial if they had weighted the, the tokens more on harder activities to encourage people to do those things more. I'm just going to yeah. say, like, uh, one of the things that I didn't like as much, obviously you've kind of got to pledge your allegiance to one of these factions at some point, is they all make like a statement but you can't actually mm -hmm. see any of the gear like you would have done in destiny one you, like before you would have been able to see uh the gear and the weapons that you would have received by actually pledging allegiance to them and obviously in destiny 2 they they show this a single weapon but you unless you're i take it following like social media and stuff like that with regards to the game you ain't gonna know what faction is actually displaying what gear loot shaders and things like that there actually is a way for you to see it in-game. So what you do is when you level up the faction, you uh, put your cursor over the uh, like the legendary engram that you're going to get, mm -hmm. and you press triangle, and you can see what the contents are of that drop. Oh. So that's a way to see it, but I do agree. They, it, it, there's a more elegant way of seeing like what you can get, and it would have been better if there was an option without having to level that up. So that you kind of know what kind of rewards you can get. Um, one of the things that that's kind of annoyed me about Destiny 2, now that you touch on that, is that there's a lot of stuff that should be shown that isn't. Like I mentioned, the, the level of your faction. The only way you can get really see that is if you go on a third-party app. I can't even see my kill-death ratio on the Destiny app. I have to use a third-party app. On at the end of the game, like when you're doing Crucible, they, they only show the, the, the efficiency with your, I believe, kill-assist-death ratio or kill-death-assist. I can't remember how they calculate put it yeah. together. <clears throat> yeah, but um, so they're, 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 they're really hiding a lot of information, but showing a lot of other stuff, which doesn't make sense. So I think that they need to do more a more elegant way of setting that up on the screen. For example, uh, uh, let's do let's go somewhere else with that. Um, the power level. A lot of people don't know that they go by the base level, not what you have with their mods. So you could be three hundred two, but really your your base power level is two ninety seven, and everything will scale based on your two ninety seven power. And you don't know where your 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 base power is unless you know how, what the math is for every single one of them. So I think that's something that Bungie needs to put into the game. More information that was there before but isn't there now. So, yeah, I, I think the Faction Rally was a fun little event. I think that they just needed to take an extra step with it because where it is right now, in my opinion, kind of rewards you for doing Loot Cave rather than actually doing activities. And what I also wanted to see more with this event was more doesn't have to be like 
faction warish, but like our faction is 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 clearly superior to yours, and like there's an actual benefit to running with a team of full new monarchy or full future war cult. What if they had like um the factions, but they obviously everyone pledges allegiance to a faction and then they reward players on a weekly basis due to percentage of activities and like it's actually displayed on screen so over the course mm-hmm. of a week like you're basically filling up a bar or a percentage is shown on screen which like faction is the leader of that week or whatever if that makes sense only thing that is dangerous about that is you'll run into situations where people will pledge at the end of the week and mm. try to collect so an, a solution to that would be make the first two days of the reset like a tuesday and wednesday days of pledges only those are the only two days that you can pledge get everything set up and then thursday friday all the way till monday uh that's when you're putting in your work and then you can actually see the progress yeah i just i'm I'm just thinking from like anyone that's played like planet side obviously you've got was it two three factions playing in that game and there there is percentages on screen of like which faction at that point is leading the charge throughout you know the the battle that rages on and you could basically bring something like that to destiny 2 with what you what you want basically um which is faction rallies and which faction is the best prove that your faction is the best by completing the most activities playing crucible and you know wrecking basically surprises me that they haven't um done any exotics alongside this because obviously in mm-hmm. destiny one we had the class items there's no there's nothing like that yet 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 <laughs> yeah i i think it would have been really cool for them to have done exotic weapons that are specific to those factions yeah that gives people incentive to want to do these events and want to pledge to different factions at different times that way you can get the whole set for example I know in Destiny 1, you can only wear the, for example, the Dead Orbit exotic cloak if you're pledged to Dead Orbit, and it gives you extra rep. Imagine if there was a gun that you had to be pledged to Dead Orbit for. Like, that would be, I think it would be fun, and it would, it would lead people to want to pledge to each faction to try to get the full set. Um, so it's, it's little stuff like that that I think could go a long way to this game that they kind of haven't really taken, which kind of confuses me. Is it? Do you see it as like them starting again with everything? What I've noticed, at least this is my initial impression, they kind of took Destiny 1, made it to where what they really want with Destiny 2, expanded on the ideas, and then are pushing forward with adding stuff slowly over time. Uh, stuff like this is, is a, definitely a step forward with what we want in the factions. They're way more dynamic now than they were in Destiny 1, which is weird considering Destiny 1, you had factions for three entire years, and now this feels like an actual step forward with regards to uh, with factions. But I still think that another way you could have done factions is actually adding more factions, adding more story, more lore to the, to the, to the Destiny universe. Because it, it just seems weird that there's, we're in the fourth year of Destiny. And we still only have three factions that we pledge to in the tower. Because yeah, isn't there in the law, isn't there like a, a fourth faction? I can't remember what they're so, called. 
So there's multiple factions in the lore. Um, the big one that you're talking about that previously had a seat on the council. Yeah. The three, the three of them that are right there, Dead Orbit, New Monarchy, and Future War Cult. Future War Cult is actually the newest to the council. Yeah. The previous one that was there was known as the Concordat. That's the one. It was the Concordat attempted to take over the tower and remove the speaker from his position of power. And New Monarchy, it was either New Monarchy or Future War Call. I can't, I'm pretty sure it was New Monarchy, pretty much stopped that with assistance from Dead Orbit and Future War Cult. It was because of Future War Cult's assistance there that they elevated them to a position in, in the tower. I'm, I'm going into Lord Junkie. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. But, with the speaker no, gone, stuff- you could see them coming back though, surely. Right. It's, it's stuff like that that I think is really interesting. And I, and I actually want to see stuff with the Concordat because at in the, um, what was, the, uh, it's not April update, but the Age of Triumph update that they did earlier this year for Destiny 1, they hinted at a lot of stuff with the Concordat. Like he's coming back, uh, Lysander, everything involving him, which is going to lead to a big civil war. Like, they were hinting at these things. There's a lot of hints in this game that is going to hint at the future of Destiny. But I kind of want to see more in action with live events. Live events throughout the year that lead to story, like side stories. Like, not everything has, has to be about Emperor or the Emperor Callus and Dominus Gaul. Like, you can have an, an entire side story that has lore involved that goes throughout the year. Like you're telling this story throughout the year and it concludes at the end of the year. It gets people interested in the game. Yeah. You're expanding the universe that they've created. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's something that they do in the future. These side stories that continue a story throughout the year, like in September through December, you can only do this part of the story. And then in July and uh, January or February, there's another update to that story and another few missions or whatever. Like not everything has to be, the actual DLC. So I think it's a good start. I want to see more with this in the future, and I definitely hope that they, t- they take it to the next step. So let's go ahead and talk about this week's Nightfall. Let's jump into our PVE discussion. This week's Nightfall is the Pyramidian, or I call it Baby Vault of Glass. It's actually a lot of fun. It's my favorite strike in the game, and I wanted to get your thoughts on not only the strike itself, but the Nightfall. Um, us three attempted it on. Well, we did it. You can't say oh, we yeah, attempted. We did, we did it twice. But we were trying to. <laughs> we were trying to get Rat King, weren't we? We didn't quite yeah. do that, but yeah, it's it's a good strike. I mean, the boss is a bit hairy when all the ads spawn, but yeah, it's the one we played on the beta, wasn't it, guys? Um, I mean, we were playing it. And we we're like, oh my god, this is like fault. This is freaking awesome. This is awesome. If like the rest of the strikes are like this, it's gonna be freaking amazing. And then they weren't. <laughs> Luke, what uh, did you think of it, dude? I enjoyed this week's better than last week's. Last week's with the boss that went invisible for a few seconds and then came back was sweaty as hell. Uh, Jorge, I'm quite interested to hear. Uh, what are your thoughts on t- the Nightfall timers? Which one? Exodus bl- uh, down or this week's? Any of them. Like the fact that they've added timers to the game in oh, general. Oh, the actual timer. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the timer so much because you still have to work with the team. Um, and if kind of feel there's a lot more pressure in it. 
the first week the uh the the arms dealer strike i actually like that nightfall a lot i th- i think there's a lot of strategy to move forward um i didn't like last week's at all and i it's it's a combination of the strike and the modifier like going on a witch hunt to find these oracles to shoot down i thought okay it wasn't that interesting and then people find the bug to try to get as much time i, I didn't like how the like the the modifiers just don't I don't know. They just feel weird. The, the time modifiers. I, if, you, if you have a set amount of time, I'm, I'm all for that. Like each strike, Bungie should be able to figure out, okay, this is how long it should take. If they're really good, this is how long it should take. Like I, I actually like the modifier this week where you have a set amount of time, move forward. There's a lot more majors, so you make sure that you're using your, your, your abilities. Yeah, you know. Like, I think that, that that's smart. You're not messing around trying to find what was it the oracles to try and add time to it or go jump through rings and getting sidetracked and then getting killed by enemies as as we have done over the past couple of weeks. Right. So whenever there's those side like additional things, like it just becomes weird and and it feels kind of cheap. It doesn't feel like an actual modifier uh, or or good modifier or even challenging modifier. It's just like okay. Let's go. Let's go kill some harpies or oracles, whatever. Let's just go ahead and do this. Like the arms dealer strike, I didn't mind the time modifier too much because you were everything that you kill added time. So it's not like you're on a witch hunt looking for things. Um, this week's was I, I was okay with because you're you have it's encouraging you. Hey, you have this much amount of time. Keep moving forward, or you're not going to be able to do it. So you want to be smart with what you're killing. Last week's was just like. You might you might find it, you might not, like, and then you're wasting time trying to find it, and then you're dealing with getting destroyed really quick by the, by a drag, like he just shoots you two twice and you're dead. So it, it wasn't fun, and, and, and in the end, what's important about these strikes isn't that just they're challenging; it has to be fun. Uh, and last week had a terrible combination where I didn't think the modifiers were fun, and the strike in itself wasn't fun. Just the boss was an absolute bore. I got, it's my least favorite strike in all of Destiny. I Sorry, think, go ahead. No, no, it's cool. Go on, I think it was a combination of the, the strike and the and the modifier being a bit of a ball ache because I did the, I did the um, exotic strike for the exotic raid shotgun, and that's mm-hmm. fair, that's fairly similar. Like you have the oracles to shoot, but that's that's like the arms dealer strike, and it mm-hmm. didn't feel as painful as last week's nightfall to be honest no no it's a lot more fun uh, apart from one section i would say luke you probably had the most fun out of the three of us on oh the laser beams <laughs> those lovely lovely laser beams oh you talk about the walls that you have to like you have to wait for them to pass oh gosh uh, we, uh, we that, don't that- wait <laughs> <laughs> That part reminds me of the the Darth Maul fight from what is it? The first one. <laughs> Phantom Menace. <laughs> Phantom Menace, yeah. Like all of a sudden they're just waiting, it's like and you just see Darth Maul pacing back and forth. You just wait for Obi-Wan to just stand there for two seconds. I will kill you, just give me two seconds. Yes. I actually I like I like I mentioned, I love the strike. It went from my least favorite strike to my favorite strike. And 
I hope that they go back and revamp some of these strikes. Uh, I think Arms Dealer is okay, but definitely Exit is down. Like, they just need to take a look at that strike and fix it. I, I don't know if... I'm not one to nerf things just to nerf things, but that boss, like, it just... It feels weird that this week's Nightfall boss has less health, and he's a giant robot, than this one vandal who disappears. Yeah, the la- last week's boss was a excuse my language for a freaking bitch because that luke how many try- times did we try that oh at least five dude because yeah, we we were trying to get rat king but like his health just does not go down then you have like the electrified freaking shanks at the same time and it's like and I, I get what they're going for you have to like keep an eye on the boss keep an eye on your, your environment keep an eye on the shanks and get the hell like move around and they don't want you sat in one position but it's there's so much going on and we're not even running prestige at that point either Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then the the shanks have more life than the boss. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, obviously that's an exaggeration. That is super tanky. Yeah, yeah. It it took me an entire clip of an auto rifle just to take one shank down. That's absolutely absurd. And you, and when you're when you're dealing with issues with ammo where it just doesn't drop, like that just becomes even more of a problem. But. Thankfully, this week wasn't so bad. We our, our ability was that we can throw as many abilities as we wanted to, since they recharge pretty quickly. So, if you were a titan with with those grenades, those pulse grenades, you were you were cleaning the house real quick. Yeah, yeah. Rob, you were throwing those out like every few yeah. seconds, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, the the modifiers this week were awesome. I gotta say that. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the raid this week, since it modified just a little bit. This week is Gauntlet, then Baths, then Beasts, then Callus. And in the Callus room, it starts off with the Centurions, goes to the Incendiors, and then ends with Legionnaires. And obviously, the Colossus, if you wait too long, you'll spawn on the fourth one. So since this is your you guys' first time as a group on this show... I want to get your thoughts on the Leviathan raid. It's a bitch. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. It's like I don't know if you guys agree. I think it's the the most mechanic based one we've had uh, since Destiny launched. Maybe I, I don't know if you agree, but you know, obviously before we've had like boss mechanic, boss mechanic, boss mechanic, and then. Because, like, it's Luke's first time playing Destiny, and we were like, oh, the raid, the raid's going to be awesome. We're going we're right. to get to a boss. We're going to do this, this, and this. going to do a mechanic, probably do a boss. And then, like, no, it's just mechanic after mechanic after mechanic. And I, I totally get what they're going for. And, yeah, they t- I, I, I kind of get the point that they don't really want it to be class-based anymore through the fact that any six people can run the raids now. Mm-hmm. It's not um, really a raid, though, is it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. In the in the in the sense of the word, it's more like trials slash game show. But yeah, it's it good. reminded me of Legends of the Hidden Temple mixed with American Ninja Warrior. That's what it. <laughs> American. That's what the raids. That's what the that, that's what the raid reminds me of. I think. In many ways, it's a more elaborate version of Prison of Elders, and that's not a, to put it down, but it basically is that. Like, you go into different rooms, you take, out, you take care of that room, 
you go back to the middle, you go to the next room, come back to the middle, go to the next room, and then the last room has the boss. And that's, I, I think the raid is okay. I think a lot of us were used to how the raids were in Destiny 1, where it was, you go forward. You're always going forward. You're never going to a hub area. So when you have something designed like this, that in many ways, yes, it is a raid because you're dealing with mechanics and whatever. It still felt kind of like the arena in Destiny 1, the Prison of Elders. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can get a point of view because obviously you're going back to the where you originally load into the Prison of Elders and then you go to each room. Um, mm-hmm. Luke, it was your first time not only playing Destiny, but actually doing a raid. Uh, and I, I do feel sorry for you because like, uh, from Luke's perspective, he's never done a raid before. So he hasn't played Vault of Glass. He hasn't played uh, Sword of Crota. Uh, he hasn't played Wrath of the Machine or the King's Fall raid. So he hasn't uh-huh. like you. You haven't got that background knowledge going in of what this thing's gonna be like, and then <laughs> first, first time playing the raid is basically trying to figure it out, not being coached through it by like people that actually know how to play the raid. Anyway, mm-hmm. Luke. Well, we 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 tried it on opening night, didn't we? I've I've taken a spot on Mike's raid team, um, and we we tried it on opening week, but nobody was watching any YouTube videos, or, or we went in blind trying to figure everything out and. That was oh man <laughs> one of the longest nights of my life. <laughs> I think you said to me, "Yeah, that wasn't as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be." Because we were These like, "Raids, man, the fucking awesome!" You know, you guys, you get to figure shit out, and then it was like, "Nah," because like me and Rob, I I've said this before, like, but um, me and Rob, we played Destiny one, but mm-hmm. like most people, we got to a certain level, and we're like. Uh, we'll go play something else. So it was like level right. 15 or something like that, was it, Rob? Yeah. And we never actually finished the story, so we never... With Destiny 1, you don't see what's next until you complete the game, because they never said. So for, as far as we we were concerned, it was just a normal game with a bit of multiplayer. So right. I, we were like, let's go back, let's finish the story, and then we were like, let's go do the raid. When we found out there was a raid, obviously. And then it was six months later. So people knew how to do that. So Luke's situation was completely different to having somebody coach you through it and teach you how to do it. You're actually there going, what the fuck is going on? But how do I work out the mechanics at the same time? So I felt really sorry for you, man. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's fine. But these, these two have been trying to get me to play Destiny for a long time. And I, I just outright refused. And then... Uh, some of our listeners over on Sitrep Radio actually bought me Destiny 2 um, <laughs> to force me to play it and force me to talk about it. And here I am even now on a Destiny podcast, which is just a real <laughs> strange turnout of events. You were not happy, <laughs> if I remember right. You were not happy. <laughs> what, what power level you got to now, Luke? Uh, 298. Nice. Hey, this, this, this motherfucker said on our podcast... I'm not going to be raid ready. <laughs> he was there <laughs> in the raid. And look at you now. I haven't finished. Spending hours. I haven't finished it though. I will, I will put that in. I haven't quite killed Callus yet. You took a break. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. I don't blame you, dude. But Rob, you managed to get like the time this week on the raid down. How many raids did you run this week? It was like two um, and a half. I've run three raids this week. I ran three raids last week. 
The fastest our team's done it in is an hour and one minute. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, we've got it down pretty pretty well now. Yeah, I, I did eight raids this week already. Oh, Jesus. And the fastest we've gotten it has been 56 minutes, something like that. Yeah. The, the, you can spend a lot of... T- the, the fastest way to go through it is... If if you can get a sixty times multiplier on the dogs, you can wipe them out with one. Uh, what is it? One grenade, pulse grenade, and and a rocket shot, and they're dead. So th- that's how you quickly t- move on to the next round. I think the the parts that slows you down is not so much bats because you can take that one down really quickly, but um, the gauntlet because there's no way to make it. I mean, you can make yourself more nimble but that part is still time locked like you have this amount of time to do whatever you need to do uh, and what, if you I was, just, I was just gonna say like what do you think of the aesthetics of the raid compared to the other ones we've had before because it, it's i think the aesthetic of it is actually like really cool i i love so in terms of the look and the sound because i i think that both are really important to this raid i love I absolutely love the look. I think it's my second favorite looking grade. I still think that Wrath of the Machine is is my favorite looking grade. Like it, there's so many contrasting elements to Wrath of the Machine because you start off in ruins and then you go through and you're on the wall and it's on fire and inside is dilapidated and crumbling and there's water. And then you you go into the the the, the tunnels and you're in an actual what looks like the war mine and there's all these different computer terminals and you get to the one room where uh you you see the power grid on the floor and there's a giant siva block right in the middle that where the one terminal is inside like that's just an absolute visual spectacle and then of course the best one is when you go to the final area and you're walking down that that like mini bridge and you're in the red area and there's a big giant red block staring at you so everything about that raid just appeals to me so so much. And this one is really cool because it just reminds me of like ancient Rome. Like this is what it looked like the Colosseum. The only thing missing is the crowd. And like that would have been hilarious if they managed to introduce a cabal crowd. Like just watching you like, yay, you killed my friends. Just have the crowd there at the end on the callous fight. That would have been cool. Right. Right. So, I, I mean, I think that the looks are absolutely fantastic. And in fact, when you go underground too, it's it really visually appealing too. Like there are all these pipes and you're realizing how large this thing is. And then when for, for all the stoners out there, when they get to the Kush room and they're like, yo, my dude. <laughs> for people that don't know, for people that don't know, there's, there's a room that has a whole bunch of plants and it looks like yeah like know. somebody's like holding their own personal stash it's it's Callus's huh. secret stash room hydroponics exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah and then on top of that the, the grandiose music and it's like bah, bah, bah. oh the music like, awesome. completes, but it's, it's not you, actually on the soundtrack is it no that i mean so the the B section, the Pleasure Gardens, is on the soundtrack. And then they use... It's actually... The, the version on, on the Beasts is shortened. They cut out the, the second part. 
they added well they cut it out and then they cut it in and, and it, it it's on the soundtrack but the rest of the, the raid music isn't there which is kind of upsetting because i'm like this music is awesome like i want to be able to play this like when i walk out of the bathroom and just start playing that be like da da na 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 i have culminated i still think my favorite track is uh, sepix prime redux but there we go and the the funniest thing about that was that it wasn't recorded by Bungie. It was recorded by some YouTuber, and then they like Bungie liked it so much they were like, "Let me put it in the game." Yeah, it was Periphery, uh, pretty awesome band that I follow. Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that in the future they do introduce raids that are more like Vault of Glass and um, Wrath of the Machine in. Because I, while I do enjoy mechanics, like King's Fall, like it got tiresome after a little bit. This one, I can see people getting really tired really quickly. Are you saying you don't want to have Crota? The problem with Crota was it was just too short. Like, like I, I, I don't I, like when they fix Crota up, and even then there were still some minor glitches when they fix it in the April update. Like it was a fun raid, like especially the everything with the death singer, like you're and and the bridge area because you're just slamming things with a sword, like it's hilarious. So I think that they when they redid it, it was a more manageable raid and and more fun raid. But it's there's not much to it still. So I want longer raids. That one is basically two rooms. It's one big giant dark room, and then all of a sudden you're at Crota's castle. I, I I will say I don't know if you guys find it, but the the new raid is definitely I would say the most communication you have to be like highly coordinated for this raid. I don't know how, if you found the same Rob. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely have to be coordinated, don't you? Whether it's the most coordinated because Wrath is pretty well, especially challenge mode on Wrath, you still have, you have to be fairly communi- communication heavy on that, but. Well, the the fact that you have like what was it on the gauntlet room? You have two sides effectively calling out uh, when you're shooting the triangles, and mm-hmm. if you're both shouting out one, two, three, or whatever your call out seems to be, <laughs> you can get things a little bit crossed in the pro- 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 process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it just like King's Fall. If you're not communicating, you're gonna have a, a hard time. You can kind of get away with no communication of Vault of Glass. And I'm, I'm not including the, the challenge modes just because I think by default, all of them really require some sort of communication. Yeah. Um, but the actual raids themselves, Vault of Glass, you didn't need much. You just needed to kill things. And then uh, King's, I mean, uh, Wrath of the Machine you can kind of get away with not communicating but if there's no communication there in access you're going to you're going to go down real fast yeah we well, you need the kit for example you need the communication especially in the dog's room if you, mm-hmm. if you don't have the communication in that room and you you know your whole team is not doing the same thing or not on the same page then you're screwed and you're going to mm-hmm. be at, you're going to be stuck at that for a long time go on Luke. I was just going to say, it's not only the uh, the communication, is it? You just said it there. It's the understanding as well. You've got to know what you're doing, specifically in the gauntlets room and the uh, and the beast room. If if somebody's not on the same page there, it's game over straight away. 
yeah you need to be right. doing like the same you need to have the same game plan you can't be doing oh well like my raid team did it this way and then you've got five other people doing it completely the other way it, it doesn't right. it doesn't work especially with the callouts oh my god uh, so david knows who, who's on the show with me normally i want to kill him sometimes when we do <laughs> callus so the way i've always done it because i did watch uh goth stream you know just because i was at work and i was bored and he and he was like blades beast chalice sun so blades are what the axes are or what looks like scissors to some people beasts are the beasts so some people call them dogs then you got sun which i think is pretty universal every so often you'll get that weird person that decides to call it star and it's like you need to stop right we call it yellow flashy thing <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh my god. We we we, we, we 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 did have one dude that was like everyone else was saying chalice and somebody was like cup. Yes, that one. That's the one that drives me crazy. Yes. David is always like cup. I'm like you just threw me off cuz cuz in my head I'm all, I'm my job because I'm weird like that. I always call what the fourth one is, whether I'm inside on defense or I'm in the Shadow Realm. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm always calling that fourth one out. So, like, Blades, Beast, Cup, Chalice. No, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Cup? Well, oh, fuck. It's Chalice and shit. <laughs> so, like, it, it throws me off. And then, like, I, I, I have to learn how to be able to determine them a little bit better. But... Sometimes I also need to like back off and shut up and like let the other people figure it out. But yeah, I, I think in terms of the raid, like you were talking about, I think it's a very fun raid. It's very mechanic heavy. And even then, like all of us are plebs because this week Slayer Age and I forget who else was with him. Two manned callus. Yeah. yeah. And when they were inside, when he was, when the dude was inside in Shadow Realm, he got 102 empowerment or 112 empowerment by himself. Yeah, I've seen that. It's insane. I have people who struggle to get 70 and he got 102 or uh, 12 by himself. He oh is, it, it's, it's probably because there's only one of them. So all the skulls are like. It doesn't matter. It drives me crazy. <laughs> so, like, because I watched that and I came up with the, because we did the raid, I think it was last night. Um, mm -hmm. If you all stand in single file, it's pretty mm -hmm. much the same thing. So, you can, they all like line up. You can uh, shoot more skulls that way. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have, what I usually do is I, I put the arc soul in the middle and then just everybody groups up on the arc soul and then we shoot the skulls. But if lining up makes them makes the cone narrower, yeah. that might be helpful. I have to check that out to see if that's something that actually works. Not doubting you, I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. So with that, I do want to talk real quick about Mash Those Buttons. Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the other amazing podcasts available today right on the Mashos Buttons website at www.mashosbuttons.com. 
So, sit rep guys, what is going on in the world of the division? PTS at the minute, we're waiting for update 1.8, which will be revamping a lot of the content for the division for anybody that was playing it previously and is wondering, I guess. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, it's pretty much the um, the divisions taking care of it. Yeah. Nice. I definitely want to see that game grow because whenever there's all these different games that, ha- like, for example, um, what's coming up uh, by EA? What's that big game? Uh, Anthem. Anthem. When you have games that are really successful, Anthem and the division and their their communities are growing, like that's just going to push Destiny to to grow alongside it, or they're going to falter. I think so I think it, it goes all the way around though, because I mean, uh, obviously we're in the community for the division, and we see a lot of the developers because we're um, like either we follow them or we're friends with them. Uh, and they're like, oh, I've just got that in Destiny. So it's kind of cool because we might see some of the things that are in Destiny come to the Division and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it hel- it, yeah, and it's good to have competition because it helps it grow, you know, stops mm-hmm. it becoming stagnant. Absolutely. And also, I want to make sure that you guys are aware we got sponsorship with Ripped Apparel, and that's R-I-P-T, and we'll be including the link to in the show notes. So are you guys like me and love video games and nerd culture? Well, we got the place for you. Ripped Apparel is your destination for t-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, tank tops, and accessories to help deck you out in the items you love and care about. Right now, if you use the coupon code INORBITPODCAST, you get 10% off your order. Again, the website is www.rippedapparel.com and make sure that you use coupon code INORBITPODCAST at checkout to get 10% off your order. So with that, let's go to what is one of the most controversial parts of Destiny 2 right now, and that is Mr. Mida Multitool. So on this week's TWAB, they kind of touched at it. And this was John Weissnewski. Um, he's the senior designer. Um, with regards to the sandbox, the noose, and this would the noose, <laughs> yes, the noose. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. But anyway, uh, this is this was this, this was what he said. Hello, guardians. Since the launch of Destiny Two, we've been reading your feedback, spectating streams, and watching YouTube videos. Very recently, we received our first real batch of player data from our analytics team. We've also been shoulder to shoulder with you in the trenches daily playing the ever-loving crud out of this game. We're not ready to go into detail about any weapon or ability tuning at this point, but there is an ongoing process in play, so we didn't want to drop... So we did want to drop a quick line and say, We have heard your feedback. Thank you. Destiny 2 will get updates that tune the sandbox experience. We are aware of Mida Multitool's popularity and are looking at it very closely. It is popular... But according to our data, there are options out there that match or exceed its effectiveness in all activities. Have you found one? So naturally, people who were defensive about Mida Multi-Tool saying it was OP got upset. And then people who said Mida Multi-Tool is just really good at as a jack of all trades, but a master of none were quickly defending that. So 
My opinion was that Mighty Multi Tool was it was kind of weird having it in the game, not because it's a good gun, but all but they made such a big deal about your vault going away, and all of a sudden you're getting this gun back. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's a good gun. I don't think it's OP, as I think that there are better options. And you can get third eye if you're a hunter if you have the one hunter um helmet. So I think that's the most useful perk on the gun is the third eye. But I think that there are better options um, that fit my playstyle better. And I wanted to get your thoughts on Mata Multi-Tool. Rob, do you want to take the floor on this? Well, um, obviously it's uh, a good gun. It's exotic. It's easy to get because you get it from quest lines. That's I think that's part of the problem with its popularity because it's just easy to get. Um, first week I went into Trials of the Nine, literally 10 games, everyone was using MIDA, and yeah, it just got a bit boring. And it's just, I think um, with the fact that PvP's gone to 4v4, and there's a lot of team shooting being done, that it's very strong in that situation. Are you saying that being shot by four people with minders is not fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely not fun. Um, I'm going to say, is there any uh, kinetic slot exotic weapons apart from minders that are either dropping or worth running at the minute? Because I, I don't know. I haven't got that many exotics, but is there? Because, I mean, that's probably half the reason, plus the fact it bumps everybody's light. It, depending on when you obviously picked it up in the story. Or post-story, should I say. I mean, there's the pulse rifle that's pretty good, but obviously you can't get that from a quest. That's from random drop. You mean people aren't using Cold Heart in uh, Trials? Oh no, people are using Not it. Not anymore. <laughs> uh... I, I can understand the situation that everyone's using MIDA. As Rob said, like, it is it's easy to get. You also get a cool weapon with it, which is the mini MIDA. I like that weapon a lot. Um, but like you said, there are other weapons out there that are wrecking on top. Um, auto rifles seem to be pretty good in this update. And hand cannons as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think... Half of it is just people don't have the other weapons yet. I mean, I only, I only just got a Uriel's gift the other day, and then I got another one literally about 45 minutes later, which was absolutely great. But it was about three weeks until I actually got that, yet everybody seems to be running Uriel's gift in the Crucible. But yeah, um, hopefully other players manage to find other weapons to combat it in the future, which... I mean, they've said that uh, there's going to be other weapons added by that statement they asked, uh, they announced this week. So, fingers crossed, I guess. Uh, I suppose we're just going to have to wait and see what happens, and then maybe there'll be, um, there'll be a balance pass later on. I just hope they don't completely nerf it, because it is meant to be an exotic at the end of the day. I think they might remove like out of rounds again, because they did that in D1. I don't know. I don't think that high caliber rounds are really the problem. I, I know that 
everybody brings that up, but I think that the perk is working as they had intended. I think the problem that we're running to is this. I don't think that there's enough weapons in the game. I think we need more legendaries, more combinations. And the reason I say that is right now every everybody's pretty specific with with what they're using. You're for PVE, you're most likely using lame, name what is it? Nameless Midnight, which is for all intents and purposes a god weapon for PVE. For PVP, you got Mita Multi-Tool and then maybe you got the old-fashioned, maybe you got better devils, but you, you got pretty pretty specific guns that you're going to be using in specific modes. All the other guns, like I, I rarely see submachine guns. I rarely see grenade launchers. I, ra- I rarely see other um, auto rifles, e- even though, for example, Uriel's Gift is very good. It's um, absolutely amazing. It's an absolute beast. Um, I'm rarely seeing other energy weapons and kinetic weapons besides those ones that I, m- I mentioned. It's pretty set. So because you got ev- all these, and I want to say all these, you have a very specific set of weapons condensed into maybe a group of 10 that are, co- are consistently used. I don't think that there's enough variety in the legendaries. And I think that there needs to be more to encourage not only weapons for specific builds but weapons for specific classes do you think it might be um because it, like if you get a gun it's always got the the same perks like back in uh, destiny one you mm-hmm. can get the same gun twice and it can be completely different because of the perks on it one would be a bad roll one would be a, like god roll I don't mind the static perks. In fact, I think that helps for balance. I think that it's actually really good that they have static perks. Um, it, it, it was always weird to me how very different the very same gun felt if you had, for example, um, the PDX-45 with a specific set of, of, of perks. Why not take... Like the two different versions of the PDX and make a different, a completely different weapon. Um, one that would be better encouraged for PvP and another one that might be better encouraged for PvE. So that's that's a way to create another legendary weapon. Weapons that are specific. And that way you can still have these very, uh, the, the static roles and more weapons that people can try out. Yeah. I think that's where Bungie needs to go, where they need to have more weapons, even if it's a modified reskin of the same weapon. Um, but just something that is slightly different than what we already have, because what we have right now is very limited. I think if I looked at the list right, we have about 40 legendary weapons, and I'm, I'm, that's counting your energy weapons. And while that might seem like a pretty high number, out of that list, you can condense it down to a good maybe four or five that you actually use. And then the other ones that either become legendary marks. I can't tell you how many uh, sidearms and submachine guns that I've deleted, grenade launchers I've deleted. Um, they're just not that useful. Same thing with some most of these fusion rifles. A lot of these fusion rifles are completely useless, except for the Vanguard one, which is a solid damage one. Like the other ones just don't feel 
all that good. So I think that's where Bungie needs to go. I think that they need to increase the loot pool, add more weapons to it. And who knows, maybe they, they will introduce more drops in future live team updates and deal. I mean, obviously we're going to get in, in DLCs where we're going to get most likely an entire Osiris theme set, kind of like what we got with Vigilance Wing. But I want to see more legendary weapons that have different perk sets. I was going to mention that actually, but you beat me to it. I was, I was going to ask you if you thought there'd be a lot more weapons come with the DLCs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that I'm actually surprised that we got as few weapons as we do now. And I'm not just talking about the legendaries, but I'm also including the exotics. I think that the exotics are, most of them are pretty interesting uh, given specific roles. Vigilance Wing at close to mid-range is a pretty effective weapon. But then um, you have stuff such as Mita Multi-Tool, which is a virtual copy, which leads people to getting upset because they remember when Mita Multi-Tool was at its absolute peak in Destiny 1, which was in the when it was reintroduced in Taken King. like That was peak Mita Multi-Tool. So they're having flashbacks to that. And there's not enough things to counter it counter that weapon because there's not enough variety so i think that where we're at right now is a product of there not being enough guns which with enough variety there needs to be more weapons put into the system and i want to see more exotics put into the system so with that we're going to go ahead and go into our next section which is called messages from the reef messages from the reef is your section You give us the topics, you give us your questions, we answer them here on the show. So the first question that we're going to get to comes from Eagle Eyes. Love to hear your thoughts on the story now that some time has passed. Definitely still an improvement on D1, but is it too tropey and not deep enough? We'll start off with Robert. Um, Sorry, can you just, sorry, what did you say? Sure, so I'll go ahead and repeat the question. Sorry. Love, I'd love to get your thoughts on the story now that some time has passed. Definitely an improvement on Destiny 1, but is it too tropey or not deep enough? Um, thing is, there's been a lot of controversy about the storyline and how like, a lot of the reviewers have... Um, <laughs> I'm not naming any names, but... Um, some people are saying, yeah, it's brilliant, but then com- like compared to Destiny 1, but then Destiny 1 was very lackluster, and so beating it isn't exactly difficult. Mm-hmm. But comp- comparing it to other games, Destiny 2 is, yeah, I guess the storyline is still lacking, I guess. But I enjoyed it. I mean... I think the the couple of the missions are a bit weak, but yeah, on the whole, I think it's really good. Um, yeah, I I think it's good. Uh, it's definitely, as Rob said, better than Destiny One, but I don't think that would be difficult to beat. Um, whether it's as good as, I wouldn't say there was that much story added with uh, some of the expansions apart from Taken King. I think the Taken King was probably one of the better story 
expansions added. Uh, Wrath of the Machine was okay, but I didn't feel the story was all there on that. And then obviously with Destiny Two, we you know there's definitely they've definitely gone for like um, an action approach. Um, it's very fast paced. They're trying to keep people playing and um, progressing through the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like some of the characters aren't fleshed out. Obviously, you've got Cade there front and center as a fan favorite. Uh, Nathan Fillion in that role is awesome. But it does feel like a couple of things. I just kind of come out, came out of like nowhere. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but there's like a mission where what's what's the mission where you go up to destroy the the almighty the almighty for me it i know they kind they kind of like mention it in the beginning <laughs> but then it's kind of like out of nowhere here's a cutscene. you need to go mm-hmm. destroy that just before the end of the story and it's like uh, this kind of came out of nowhere so there's like three you know kind of three quarters of the way through the game it would have been nice to have like that cutscene that something is destroying our son you've got to go do other stuff Oh shit! We found out how to do it. Now you need to, you know, board that ship. That you know, I just feel like it's a little bit. I don't know. You you have like this very straight through story, um, and then it kind of gets side sidetracked literally just before the end. But um, all the stuff with um, Gaul is awesome. I really like the stuff, and he's a proper villain. We I don't think we've had a proper villain in the destiny universe not anything that feels threatening my only problem with him is the fact that we have no interaction apart from like that first mission at the beginning which is really annoying for me because uh is it taken king you see you know you you're there with the take the taken king through the missions and even at the raid at the end but you know you're there and he turns up along your journey as a guardian and you don't really get that with Gaul, and I find that a little bit annoying. And obviously, now they've took the grimoire out of it. A lot of people are annoyed at that because there's no backstory that is left out by a lot of the things that they've now introduced into Destiny Two. So, yeah. But Luke, I mean, how how, how did you feel about Destiny Two? I enjoyed the story. Um, controversially, I could have like wanted it to be a bit longer. I mean, I know, I know a lot of the Destiny is the end game of all the grinding to your max power level and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, as an outsider coming in, obviously, to, to the franchise at this stage, there wasn't a lot of explanation as to who the enemies were and, and all that stuff. But I mean, that's that's my fault for coming in to the, the sequel. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would have liked more story content. And I think some of the side missions are like really weak. They, they don't really expand on anything. They really... As far as I can see, you don't even need to do the side missions at all. (laughs) Case in point, then. Yeah, I've only done all the story on one character, and that was only in the EDZ. I still have a whole bunch of adventures on all these other planets. And I'm just like, eh, do I need to do them? Um, I'm in total agreement with you guys with regards to the story. I think that on the whole, it was better than Destiny 1, vanilla. But that's not saying much. Like, in, like I've, I've already r- rated the story um, for Destiny 2, where I think the absolute worst was uh, The Dark Below, 
Then you had Vanilla Destiny. Then you had Rise of Iron. Then you have Destiny 2. Then you have House of Wolves. Last, the best, in my opinion, is Taken King. Like, you feel that at all times, Oryx is a threat. He's always there. He's always around. Even though he's on his dreadnought the entire time. He's, he's talking shit throughout the entire story. He's like, oh, you want to come for me, little guardian? I've been around for thousands of years. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to shoot you in the face. So, like, like, throughout the entire thing, like, it's really cool to have an interaction with Oryx. And I miss that with Gaul because you only get that in that one scene where he literally kicks you and sends you off the ship. It's, it's actually kind of hilarious. It would have been funnier for me if he put baby powder on the back of his hand before he backhands you. But that's beside the point. Um, but I think that this, the story took a very good, uh, like the very first part of the story, absolutely fantastic. But how quickly you get your light back, like that threw me off. Like I, I thought that everything with regards to that, it just like if like after the first part, it felt like the entire story was rushed and it could have, it could have been helped by an additional maybe two or three story missions that help flesh out the story because maybe an extra story mission before you get your your actual powers. It, it always felt weird that like all of a sudden, oh, we had a dream. That's the shard. It's calling to us. What dream are you talking about? We, we've been awake this whole time. Like, I, I don't know what dream you're talking about. All of a sudden, like they're talking about this non-existent dream and something about the Traveler's Shard calling to us. Like, that was never explained. And then you go to the Shard, you get your power, and all of a sudden, you're back to being um, Peter Petrelli from Heroes. Like, like everybody else has no powers, you're Peter Petrelli, and you're going through. It's like, hi, guys. <laughs> Apart from Peter, Peter Petrelli, when he has no powers, and then he's just terrible. And, the, yeah, <laughs> nobody likes Peter Petrelli then. And then he learns that he can siphon people's powers and borrow them for a little bit. That's beside the point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Welcome I to did, the Heroes Podcast. Tangent. Thank you, thank you for 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 listening to this section of tangent. My name is Jorge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think that they did a lot of good things with the story, but they missed so many opportunities that they didn't miss with Taken King. Like Taken King, even when the main storyline was finished, like there was a lot after that that led up to the raid. I, I did like the like the cutscenes with Gaul, like how they were mm -hmm. like just randomly in the storyline. What they could have done is like maybe done a mission where you play as either him or one of his commanders or something, just to like add a little bit of his background. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been cool. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think it was really unfortunate that. With regards to, to Gaul himself, you only see him on the stern of the ship in the, I guess, throne room or whatever you would call that. And then in the final area when you're fighting him, those are the only three areas. Like it never felt like Gaul himself was a threat because he never like, yes, he commands the Red Legion, but he himself never like showed off his power. Like Oryx, you like. I'll never forget the scene where like Oryx's entire armada is taking a beating from the from the uh, Awoken, and then Oryx is just like yawn, 
slams sword down, obliterates all all that are around him and creates a giant hole in the rings. And then he's just like, I'm done and walks away. Like you felt that Oryx was an actual threat and he proves his power. And I never felt that Gaul, even though he took your power, really proved his power. Yeah. And the boss, the boss fight at the end, I thought was a bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. They could have added to that. More mechanical, maybe. Yeah. I, I was expecting that as well, Rob, from all the times that you and Mike have talked to me before about the raids and stuff. And I know it's a slightly different subject, but with the mechanics that you mentioned before about the raids, I expected at least one mechanic to make it into the, the final boss fight of the entire story. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I think that was a big problem with regards to this game was, especially for, for, um, for you, uh, Luke, when you mentioned that you've never done any Destiny raids, like you go from from the campaign where it's just straightforward, kill things, kill things, jump in a tank, kill things, kill things, jump in another tank. And all of a sudden you get to the raid where it's very mechanics heavy. Like there's not enough activities in the actual game that involve mechanics. No. Like and and it and even though you can play cooperatively with two other people, there's not enough like it would have been cool if there were strikes that were part of the story that force you to do mechanics kind of like in destiny one, when they added the, um, the restorative mind where you have to carry this orb throughout the place or even strikes that involve, for example, in, in, um, vault of glass, the very first part, when you're in the area called the Templars, well, there are those, uh, pillars that you have to defend the, uh, the, um, the totems, not totems, but whatever they're called. I know people are, who are listening are already yelling at me. Um, but you have to prevent the the Vex from, from sacrificing themselves to that. Everything there is basically a modified version of a public event that's on Venus. There's the, that, that same spire. There we go, spire. The spire that comes up that the Vex sacrifice themselves to, there is a public event on Venus where you have to prevent 10 Vex from sacrificing themselves. So you can practice that, mm-hmm. but there's not enough mechanics in the game that may like introduce like the actual storyline or missions that are in there that may introduce things that may be in the raid. Like imagine if in the raid, like one of the missions to set up the, the raid was to pick up the psionic charges mm. and take them from place to place because this raid uses a lot of those psionic charges. And imagine if you have to teleport to a shadow realm of some sort and you're dealing with different things every time you go through in, in the mission. And Ghost is just like, well, that was interesting. Just like, like, like clues that, that might hint to further activities in the raid. Yeah. yeah. That, that way, because I, I, I've always been a fan of learning through progress. And in Vault of Glass, you might have gotten a, a little bit of how to use the, um, the shield when you do the the sort of crota mission because they use virtually identical controls and you may know about the sacrificing uh spires so you can put those together and 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 be able to do that that entire encounter within the templar as well using those that those previous knowledge so there's not enough of that in this game and i, I think that they need to add more mechanics in the game that like to progress you have to complete this instead of just shooting things yeah i think it I think the game headed too much to first-person shooter and not enough RPG 
kind of like Destiny 1, where Destiny 1 was very in the middle of both. Yeah, very well said. Agree with that. Yeah. So the next question, actually the final question, comes to us um, from Chris. He's asking, Destiny 2 PvP, now that you've had some time with it, what are your thoughts? I miss sixes. <laughs> I I'm gonna say that say now. That. I miss sixes. I'm sorry. I miss threes. No, I miss sixes because six people's shit talking together in any crucible match, whether it's Iron Banner, Rift, or it's just so much fun. I enjoy those days more than I do fours, but I will admit it's less hectic. Mm hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me, and, and this I've had this theory for a long time, it wouldn't surprise me if sixes come back in only Iron Banner. And that I think that that would be cool. I'm, again, this is not confirmed information. This is just confirmed. a theory. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dick. Like, the, the thing that annoyed me in Destiny 1 was, like, Iron Banner was an event, but was it really? Like, the only thing that mattered was the light. You, you're basically doing a, a light-enabled version of an activity that you can do. And you get special rewards for that. And after a certain amount of time, Iron Banner felt less and less special. Like, Trials of Osiris, even though it's basically elimination, always felt special because even though it was elimination, it's basically complete level one. Go to level two, go to level three, go to level four. And you're getting rewards along the way that correspond to that level. Iron Banner never really felt that way, even though, yes, you can complete bounties and level up your faction, it still felt weird. It didn't feel like it was fully thought out and fully fleshed out, and it suffered because of it as the, the, the older it got. People eventually just turned to it to get rewards and then get the heck out of Dodge. They didn't want to do Iron Banner. It was like, I've already reached level five. I've gotten what I wanted. I don't need to do anything else. So I think Iron Banner would benefit from having its own special mode. Whether it be control or clash or whatever, as long as it's with sixes, like all of a sudden Iron Banner feels like something completely different. It feels like its own mode just because you added two more players per team. I, I, I think Destiny really shines when it has objective-based modes. But I mean, objective-based modes really make it for me really in any PvP mode. Um, but I do, yeah... Sixes are awesome. Um, obviously, Crucible being back, 4v4. Esports, anyone? <laughs> I, I'm sure Jorge spoke about this anyway, but they're obviously pushing towards esports scene. Um, Rob, any thoughts? Um, I'm pretty sure that didn't Bungie say that all PvP, I think they did, they said all PvP is going to be 4v4. Correct. So yeah it would be nice if iron banner was 6v6 but i don't think they will what you're saying is rip mike <laughs> yeah i mean I, I it wouldn't surprise me if iron banner was 4v4 but given that they introduced specific maps for trials like the the one in the I think it's called the Nowhere or whatever. The the one for trials, the white looking one, like that one was introduced when you completed the 
uh, or when you started Trials of Osiris the first time. So it wouldn't surprise me if they introduce uh, Iron Banner specific maps that are larger that can accommodate these six players specifically for that event. Is it guaranteed? No, but again, I could easily see something like that happening for an event like that. There's a lot of things Bungie can do that that, that can make it work with the current system because there's certain levels that feel larger and kind of feel unwieldy for four for four people because they're just like there's so much area that can easily throw another four people in there we could do 4v4v4 v4. oh my god <laughs> that'd be Don't amazing that, i want that in a different game rob that's not 4v4v4 4 4 4 and you'll and you'll have to and instead of like red and blue you're in a faction Yes! Oh, oh my oh, god. That's a good Literal shout, dude. Facts from Wars. <laughs> you just literally blew everybody's mind who's listening. Well, they're like... You know, yeah, the, he, he just killed everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Robert Hemsley has just destroyed the internet. <laughs> but on, honestly, like, Luke, you've not played Crucible in Destiny. You, you haven't played PvP in Destiny are at we all gonna, Are we going to preface every time I come on the microphone with, I've not played this yet? <laughs> <laughs> But before we get in, Luke has not played Destiny 2. <laughs> what are your thoughts on fish and chips? I love fish and chips, dude. Cool. The internet cool. has spoken. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on PvP, given what you've played so far, Luke? I like it. It's quite challenging. I like how fast-paced it is, specifically in the Crucible. Um, I, I don't know about the 6v6, but I could see that being really, really sweaty. Um, the trials I don't like, but that's probably because I <laughs> suck at trials so far. So the one, and are you are you rocking a mitre? No, <laughs> I got ask. no, but I'm going to piss Jorge off here because I am rocking a submachine gun. I, I mean, if if you can make that work, more power to you. I I just I don't see how they are because you have to be really up close to somebody to really kill anybody with the submachine gun. You have you have to be basically looking at their face saying hi. Hey, you've not seen the chicken dance we have to deal with in the division, so I yeah. wouldn't surprise me. We're like um, this. We're like this, skin on skin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do find it interesting that he mentioned that it felt fast paced because me coming from Destiny One, like this feels. I'm not. I'm not shutting down your your opinion, but like from Destiny One, Destiny One was super fast paced. Especially if you're a Titan, you can like move across the map in seconds. Um, this one feels way, you know, I mean, it's definitely a faster game than other first person shooters. Um, and there's a lot more movement abilities, you know, air dashes, rolls, whatever. But like, I did find it interesting that you mentioned it was a faster game just because, just because of where, where Destiny 1 was, where it was just so, everything was so quick. You could, you didn't even need a sparrow in certain places. Mm. Well, I just in definitely in comparison to the division, it's it's really fast paced. And then, I mean, you've got a, a nice quick TTK. You've got a nice quick spawn mechanic. Uh, the maps are really small, which I guess obviously is is on purpose because it's four v four now. Um, the only thing I would add about the Crucible is I would prefer to be able to. I, I like that there's a set playlist that is randomized. I would prefer an option of a playlist where you can pick which game mode you get to play. So whether it be 
what is effectively deathmatch, what is a modified deathmatch, and obviously the, the control point version. But, you know, it, it works. I like it. I, the PvP side of Destiny 2 was what worried me going into the franchise because I'm not a big PvEer, so I wasn't going to grind out the missions over and over and over and over again. It was all about whether the PvP could get its hooks into me, and it has, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I think the easy way to remedy that is still have it where there's the competitive and the um the the quick play have two quick plays one quick play have let's say clash and supremacy the other quick play have control and what's the other one i forget the other game mode that's in quick play aren't there four game modes in quick play um i can't remember Whatever it is, um, I, I, like separate those two into two separate uh, playlists, and then the last one have your um, countdown and your um, survival. That way, you, you you still have the community in funneled into these three things, because when you open up to to multiple, like population suffers, and they definitely do need to introduce a penalty mechanic where if you leave you can't rejoin for another five minutes or something like that because you're just going to have people quitting these games that's what what's really hurting competitive right now is that people are quitting games and then they just leave them where it's a situation where it's four on two and in competitive especially on countdown elimination not so much i mean it, it, it you're still at a, a heavy disadvantage but especially countdown when you have to defend those two zones by with two people that's that's not going to happen mm. How do you how do you feel about the stat changes on the leaderboards at the end? Um, because obviously they've changed everything to like efficiency mm-hmm. um, with how people have played. Um, do you think they've changed it to stop it being so sweaty? I, I think that no matter what, the sweaty people are going to use. So the more casual people are going to be like, yo, I have an efficiency of 700. Obviously, that's not, I'm just making that up. But they're going to use that to buff up or like to pout their chest out. And then the more sweaty people are going to find the third party tools that actually give them the correct information. I think that what should have happened was that there should have been a screen or if you have to go to Lord Shacks or whatever. There should have been a screen that gives you your actual stati- statistics in game, like actual breakdown of your actual statistics. That's what should have been in the game. Um, I mean, we already have a, a screen that, that, that says, you know, what shaders you have and whatever. I want to see more information of our characters, of what we're like in game. I think that would, that would go a long way. And I, I, I'm not a programmer i'm not going to pretend to be a programmer but it doesn't seem like something that would be that hard to do it's basically a screen that has counters on it that just says x is equal to how many deaths you have x is equal to how many kills you have and then it automatically does the math it's a it's a small calculator i think that's how you that's the path that they should have taken where they added a screen that has all your statistics on there when you hit the option what, like all of a sudden you're looking at your character you hit l1 here's your stats like in pve and pvp I, I don't think that there's enough of that even in the app the fact that we have to go to a third party app is kind of silly for this information 
hey, at least you have like an official app and a third party app. We have a third party app. This is true. No, I'm I'm expecting big things from the division in the future, especially now that they've seen what works with regards to Destiny, mm. um, and possibly other games in the future. Because even even games that Destiny is, even though it's a first person shooter, it's very heavily modeled after Diablo. It's its style. Like I don't recall off the top of my head it having like an app or something like that. So now that people are seeing, oh, Destiny works really well with apps. Maybe we should introduce APIs that people can take advantage of to create third-party items or even create one ourselves. Like, this is the baseline. This is what you guys should strive to be. Improve upon it. Because that's basically what the Destiny app is. Here's the baseline. This is what we got. Go ahead and improve on this. And a lot of the third-party apps are better app than the Destiny one, but the Destiny app is very serviceable for minor things. Would you like to be able to buy items from Zer on the app. I would like to be able to buy items in general. True. I think that one of the things I missed from going to the tower was being able to buy weapons or whatnot. Um, and I kind of get why not, especially now that there's static roles. But I think that if anything, what should be done is like every vendor have a weapon or armor piece of the week that you buy for like like let's say you look there's a lot of people out there who like collecting the full sets like the full sets of armor pieces and they keep decrypting 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 and sometimes it's it's, it's you get your full set but other times you're just like i i don't care anymore so like that's an option uh, an avenue of using all these legendary shards that you're going to get this week from the faction rally to buy weapons and armor pieces like a piece at a time that way you're not breaking the game and you're introducing all these weapons to people so that they can they have access to it. So there's even though that you you could possibly get a uh what is it the uh the the nameless midnight from completing the story with Zavala you like there's a lot of people that went with Nightshade or the other one and they don't have access they still don't have access to a nameless midnight. I think that's 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 unfair. Especially when it's so good for a lot of activities. All right. So thank you very much for everybody who submitted those questions. And thank you to Mike for expounding on those questions. And if you guys have... No, you're fine. That's great. <laughs> if you have any questions or topics you guys want to send to us, make sure that you guys send it to our email, which is inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at inorbitpodcast. This week's T-Bots streamer of the week is Fox90, a.k.a. The Fokker. Wow. I didn't write that. That was definitely T-Bot. <laughs> you can check him out on HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash go dot twitch dot TV slash Fox 90s. So that's F-A-W-K-E-S 9-0. And you can also get him on Twitter at Fox 90, which is F-A-W-K-E-S 9-0. So since that's a Destiny streamer and he, does, he definitely streams other games, let's go ahead and switch it over to you guys at SitRep. You guys have any streamers that you guys want to promote or anybody that you, in particular, you guys want to promote? Oh, wow. Put us on the spot a little bit. Why don't you? Yes, that's what I'm good at. Um, I'll go with, actually, I'll go with, can I say two? Sure. Uh, let's go with a Destiny streamer at the moment who is Shox, 
uh, is S H O C K double Z. And for division, go with uh, Matt Ghost Book. So we'll definitely include that information in the show notes. Um, so make sure that you send me the, uh, both of the streamer information, Luke, later on. But we'll definitely include them in the show notes so that we can give them a special shout out um, on Twitter. Um, they are our T-Bots streamer of the week. So to everyone, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of In Orbit. We're available on a ton of different platforms. So make sure that you all are check- spreading the word. The best way to do that is to share In Orbit with others. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Downcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Cast, YouTube, and we have an RSS feed. Links are available for each platform right on the Mashos Buttons website at www.mashosbuttons.com. Make sure to stay tuned after the show to see what's coming up this week on Mashos Buttons. Make sure to check out all the other amazing shows that are available on the Mashos Buttons Network at www.mashosbuttons.com slash shows to see all of our podcasts, especially our guests today here on In Orbit. Check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, twitter.com slash In Orbit podcast, facebook.com slash Mashos Buttons, youtube.com slash Mashos Buttons. Search YouTube for In Orbit Podcast to see our past live streams and join us on Discord at discord.gg forward slash capital F, lowercase a, the number three, capital T, lowercase e, a, I'm sorry, H-E-X. Well, we're just going to include that in the show notes. Look there, okay? And as always, you can email us, as I mentioned, on In Orbit Podcast. So before we lose you again, Mike, where can people find you at? Uh, at Sitriff Radio on Twitter. You can find us over on Twitch and on YouTube. Thank you very much. Luke, where can people find you at? Uh, all of the above and on Twitter at SitRetLuke. Cool. And Robert, where can people find I'm you at? I'm at Sirret Radio Rob on Twitter. Awesome. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming platforms via my screen name, GoToNRG. That's G-O, the number two, N-R-G. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy everything that lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire In Orbit team, David, Jordan, Jarrett, myself, and this week's guests from SitRet Radio, we thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls.